I was 12 years old when Warren came into my life. Warren was 68. He was stood about 5'5". Five five. He was kind of portly. He had a bunch of white hair, big square glasses. Usually had a little button-up shirt with a pocket protector type thing, pens, you know, pens sticking out of it. He was a big nerd, in essence. <laughs> and Warren was also starting to date my mom. Now, my mom and I had lived in a little house in Kihei on the island of Maui. Uh, we'd lived there for about six years. And um, my parents had divorced when I was two, so I was a joint custody kid. I traveled back and forth between my mom and my dad during the week. And during that whole time, my mom really hadn't dated anyone. She pretty much just focused on work, and she went to AA, so she was very involved in that. And into that world comes Warren. Now, it became very clear from very early on that he had a lot more money than we did. So he started taking my mom out to these very nice restaurants. And over time, as they continued to date, I started to go with them. And we would, you know, sit there and look at the menu, and I'd go, oh, filet mignon, what's that? <laughs> Try that out. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, time, time passed, they kept dating, and he even at one point decided to buy her a piano, because she had played as a child, and she'd always wanted to go back to it, and so we bought her this piano. And um, it was clear to me that this guy just had money falling out of his pockets. And I was very conflicted about that. I used to say, you know, is he trying to buy us? What's going on here? Because um, my mother had always said to me when I, was, when I was growing up, now we're not poor, but we have just enough, which really meant that we were just scraping by and that there wasn't enough, you know, for any kind of extra. It was food, bills, mortgage, and that was it. If the car broke down, it was a serious problem. So into that comes this guy who, for gifts sometimes, would just hand me a $100 bill. And that was pretty weird. And the other thing about that was my mom and I were a few steps ahead of my dad, who usually had a, had like a little cottage outside of a big property where um, he would sort of be the caretaker in exchange for rent, and maybe there'd be like a little loft or something that I could climb up to, and there'd be a mattress, and that would be where I would sleep. And I was always kind of raised to be, think, well, you know, when you're growing up poor, you don't even know you're poor. So, but I did always think that people had, people who had money had gotten it in a way that was kind of iffy, that maybe there was something bad about them, or that they did something to get it, or just had all these ideas about it. So here's this guy giving me a $100 bill, and on one hand, I'm very conflicted because I have all these thoughts about money, and on the other hand, I have $100. <laughs> so eventually, Warren and my mother decide to get married. And at this point, my whole life changed. We moved out of our little two-bedroom house. Warren sold his house. And we moved way to the south side of the island. We moved to a neighborhood called Maui Meadows. Now, Maui Meadows is basically like the West Hills here in Portland. It's the West Hills of Maui. It's where you go if you want to have a big, kind of ostentatious house with a nice ocean view. And in fact, the further up you go, the nicer and the bigger the houses get. And we were on the very last street. They bought a two-story red brick house with two fireplaces in it, which here doesn't seem like a big deal. 
but in the tropics, two fireplaces. I think we used it all about never. We never used it. So you know, I became kind of a sullen teenager at this point and pretty much ignored my parents as much as possible. I took to hanging out in my room and listening to music and just avoiding them as much as I could. Shortly after Warren and my mother came back from their honeymoon, Warren was diagnosed with bladder cancer. Um, so he had some treatments, they did some tests, and ultimately what happened was that he had to have his bladder removed. But as a result of that, they got all the cancer and he was fine. But what I did know about it was that he had to pee in a bag. He had a urostomy bag. And I always thought that was really weird because, I mean, he peed in a bag. What more can you say about that? <laughs> <laughs> and he was so conservative in so many ways that I wasn't used to. And he was so rule-based and so mathy. He was an architect and an engineer and so different than what I was used to, so different than my dad. And um, I remember little things like, you know, if we were going somewhere, he wouldn't even start the car until my seatbelt was hooked in. And I just thought, oh, come on. Like, that's so lame. <laughs> so I, uh, you know, just kind of did my thing. Ignore, ignore my parents. And somewhere around the, my sophomore year of high school, Warren and I wound up taking a trip together. Now, my mother and Warren and I had all taken trips before. We'd been to the East Coast. They were both from New Jersey. So we'd been to the East Coast. We'd taken a trip to the Big Island. We spent some time, you know, doing stuff. But this time was different because my mom had decided she didn't want to go. She wanted to stay home. She had a really nice piano at this point. She wanted to stay home and just play. And we got on a plane and we flew to the mainland and we rented a car, which at the time seemed very plush and velvety. And we drove through Pennsylvania, through New Jersey, through New York, to spend summer vacation. And I got to meet Warren's sister, who was lovely. And I got to spend some time with my best friend, Tasha, who just graduated from high school. And I wasn't going to get to really see her again. She was flying off to Seattle to go to school. And during the course of that trip, I got to know so much more about Warren than I'd ever known before. I found out that he'd grown up on a farm, and that he worked most of his childhood. And then he worked his way through college. And that he became an architect and an engineer because he really loved it. And he continued to do it way past his retirement age because he loved it so much. And some of that tension between us started to melt. You know, he started letting me listen to more music that I liked. And he uh, just loosened up in general. He also let me um, take pictures anytime I wanted to because I really love photography. And so anytime I saw a grain silo or something that I hadn't ever seen, we'd pull over and I'd take a picture of it. Looking back, I think about all the things he taught me how to do. He taught me, he was the guy who taught me how to change a tire on a car. He helped me get ready for my driver's test. He also wanted to build me a tree house. We had one big tree in the backyard. And so he set the platform up, and then being an architect and an engineer, he wanted me to kind of check it out before he got it, got it all set up. So I climbed up to the platform, and I looked at it, and I said, you know what, this is enough. I get to sit here and read my books and look at the tree and look at the sky, and that's all I want. And he left it at that. But one thing he did do was he installed a little pulley system so that I could put little snacks in a bucket from the kitchen and then go into my treehouse and pull him over. <laughs> Somewhere around the time I turned 17, my senior year of high school, I was busy. I was starting to get ready for college. And um, I was taking SATs and doing all that. Warren's cancer came back. 
and this time it came back with a vengeance. My parents tried everything. They um, tried all kinds of alternative treatments. They did everything they could. But ultimately what happened was that he had to have chemotherapy. So as he started the chemo, he got really sick. And he wound up having to move out of the bedroom that he shared with my mom. And he moved into the living room and he slept on the couch because he had to get up so much at night to throw up. Eventually, he wound up having to move downstairs into the room next to mine because he needed a hospital bed. And at one point, he finally had to have a morphine drip because the pain was so bad um, that he had to do that. One night, I was feeding him some ice cream because he really couldn't feed himself that much at this point. And right between bites, he looked up at me and he said, Marina, I'm sorry. And I said, for what? And he goes, for getting sick. Shortly after that, I was um, in school. Every day I would come home and he would have people visiting him. And I remember his friend Raphael, who was also an architect, came one day and was playing guitar and singing with him. And we had a hospice nurse there. And I went to school one day and I got a phone call to come to the office. And I knew what it was. And I came to the office and they said, go home. And I did. And he had passed away that day. And that whole day before, he had been sleeping. He hadn't really spoken to anyone. So I kind of, I knew it was coming. But it was the first experience I'd ever had with death before. So I came home and I gave him a kiss and he just looked like he was sleeping. And my mother and the hospice nurse were there and we all held hands over him and we said a prayer for him. And then a phone call was made and somebody came and took him away to wherever they take people when they die. And uh, it was really hard. My mom was a mess. <laughs> and it was, it was very hard. He was cremated and shortly after that we had the, the funeral and we had it out on a boat. And I remember that day the ocean was really choppy. His sister came, um, a lot of his family came. He had a daughter from way long ago, much older than me, who came. Um, his friends were there, my mother's friends were there, my father came. And people said their words, and then the minister said his words. And in Maui, people, their lays a lot, so we all threw our lays into the water. And then we threw his ashes into the water. And I had this white orchid with me, and I threw it into the water where his ashes were, and I watched his ashes kind of sink down, and I watched that orchid just kind of float in it. And sometime after that, I had a dream, and in the dream, he was dead, and I said, Warren, what's it like to be dead? And he said, it's so weird. You start losing all your memories, and you forget what people sound like, and you forget what colors look like, and you forget what things taste like until the only thing that you can remember is the sound that shells make when the ocean scrapes them through the sand. Sometimes I think back to that night when I was feeding him ice cream, and I realize now as an adult what he was really saying to me was that he was sorry that he wouldn't be there for us anymore. He was sorry that he wouldn't see me graduate from high school. He was sorry that he wouldn't see me go to college or be there as an adult, when I was an adult, for me to call on. 
he was sorry he wouldn't be there with my mom anymore. They had only been together for about five years at this point. And if I could go back, I would tell him that I was sorry for all the bitchy teenager things I did, all the doors I slammed, all the screaming fights I had with my mom, just all of it. And that I never hated him, that I always really loved him. And that he did so many things for me that I appreciate so much. But the truth is, I was 17 years old, and I just didn't have the words. 